We believe that wealth is a journey and that this is your jumpstart to trading success. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Traders Mind Chat live show. We have some great stuff to talk to you today, namely tracking institutional money flow. So if you want to know where the big money is flowing from, then this is definitely going to be for you. Now, before we get into it, if you would be so kind as to hit the like button, drop a comment, that's going to help blast this out to more people. So uh, please go ahead, take a moment, uh, hit the like button, drop a comment, and Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Now, in this live stream, we're going to be talking about how to spot institutional money flow, where the big mutual funds, hedge funds, pension funds are putting their money, where, where those big whales are moving to. So to do that, there's a, a few different things that we're going to discuss. Uh, first is going to be price and volume on weekly and on daily timeframes. Uh, we'll discuss quarterly fund ownership, sector and group rotation, as well as themes, uh, the cousin stock theory. So well, let me share my screen and we will get right down into it. All right. So first things first, the price and volume on weekly and daily timeframes. You know, I always like to look at uh, charts on both daily and on weekly timeframes. And this is really the reason why. The By the way, the, the charting service that we're looking at here, I'm using MarketSmith. You don't have to use MarketSmith. Uh, I like them quite a bit because they populate a lot of uh, the data that, that I like to see here, earnings and sales. Uh, Fund ownership, which we'll be talking about, that's right over here. But what uh, we're going to discuss right now, though, price and volume on daily and weekly timeframes. Now, what we're looking at right here is a weekly chart. Happens to be a weekly chart of AMD, uh, one of the positions that, that I'm holding right now. Also, by the way, as we as we're going along with this, if you have any questions or want to make a comment, like uh, just go ahead, put it into the comments. I'll be monitoring it throughout, and we'll have a dialogue as we're going. So, uh, back to AMD. So, one of the things that, that you might notice on this chart of AMD is this down here. This is the volume. Uh, of shares being traded uh, each and every week. So one of the things that helps you spot big institutional money flow are these giant skyscraper volume bars, right? Like, like right over here, right over there. This, these three right over here. Even some of the red ones, right? Like I know that I'm pointing towards a lot of the blue ones. The blue ones uh, are pointing towards the the up weeks uh but the the red ones too the red ones are showing uh big volume spikes as money is flowing out or or at least showing a down week right so that that's one of our first clues of where the whales are, are moving or, or or when they're, they're moving that might be the more appropriate way to think about it when they're moving when you see these 
big volume spikes, that's not you and I doing the, the buying and selling. That's those bigger institutions that are doing their buying and selling. And it's important to track them because they're the ones that are going to move the market. Um, and it takes a long time for them to either get into or get out of a trade. So when I start to see uh, big volume spikes like this, right? Like especially these guys over here. And also when that's happening after price has been moving sideways for a meaningful period of time, right? Like this is going back. You could even extend that line all the way back here, right? And say that, yeah, price was really trading sideways in AMD for, for what? Since uh, August of 2020. And it finally uh, broke that sideways action in July of 2021. So for about a year, just moving sideways. And then you see this spike right over here, right? Uh, let me try to make this bigger. Uh, let me know if you guys can see this, the screen okay. Um, that might have helped a little bit. Um, so, so over here, uh, you see the big volume surge, all right, as price is coming out. So that that's one of the first clues that the big... Uh, that money is flowing into uh, this idea. So it has to do with both the price and the volume. You see the, the volume uh, spiking higher. You see price getting out of that range. That, that's showing us that the big money is moving there. But we, uh, we don't want to just look at it on daily on weekly timeframes, rather. We want to look at it on both uh, weekly and daily. Um, you might even want to look at it on some other time frames too, perhaps monthly, perhaps uh, intraday. But it's really primarily and especially for, for those of you that are uh, just getting started or uh, maybe you're a little bit newer to the game, uh, start with the weekly chart and the daily chart. That, that's the, the best two to, to really start on. So, so down here, right, you could see how you have this major shift in volume right like so for the most part for the most part volume is kind of hanging around this level down here you have a few volume spikes in there nothing too dramatic some dry up in volume too that that's uh good to see as well um part of the reason why it's good to see uh, as well particularly particularly when price is moving sideways like this uh, the reason why it's good to see is because it's showing that there's less supply that is coming to market. So as price is moving sideways, there's less and less, and you start to see some of these uh, little volume spikes uh, to the upside. So that's showing subtle signs of accumulation, right? Like subtle signs of buying, subtle signs of of, of how uh, our friend Jim Ropel, who was on the show a couple of weeks back, uh, how he called whale-ism, right? So, so the, they're starting to get in over here and volume dries up some more. And then all of a sudden, bam, volume comes out and it breaks out to the upside in a big and major way. Um, and then price goes sideways again, and then it, it starts to, to come back out. And that's why, too, right? Like back over here, like you start to see uh, how volume dried up a little bit in this area and you might say oh well that's not really um the major players moving it um but that that's why it's important to have both the 
daily and the weekly timeframes. Uh, something else to note too, when you're looking on at this, is the number of up weeks in a row, right? The number of up weeks in a row. How many up weeks are there in a row right here, right? So far, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, we're working on week number six uh, in a row right here. That That's a lot. That's significant. That's whales getting back into this stock. It's the whales that are driving the price higher. We could go through uh, a number of examples uh, looking at these, but for the for the sake of time, uh, I'd like to to move on to the the next point. But by all means, if you have questions about this, or would like to see some other examples, or you have an example that you want to see, uh, go ahead, put it into the chat, and we'll discuss it. Um, so we spoke about price, we spoke about volume, we spoke about daily and weekly timeframes. Let's talk about quarterly fund ownership, quarterly fund ownership. So uh, by the way, as we're taking each one of these signs, right? So we're, we spoke about price and volume. Now we're going to be talking about fund ownership. Then we'll, we'll look at sector and group rotation and then the cousin uh, theory. Uh, when you take all of them and put it together, that that's like some of your real big signs of, okay, this is where money is flowing. Uh, that's how uh, I was able to capture this uh, a couple of weeks back. I was able to get into coin. I was able to uh, get into um, a few of these down here. Snow, Tesla, uh, yeah, Upstart. Uh, we'll talk about upstart too, but um, uh, yeah, that, that there's quite a bit um, of how money flow can really help you get into some of these bigger names, some of these bigger moves, and then um, the the trade management and the risk management will help you lock in those gains in case if price does suddenly come in uh, on you. So again. Um, any questions that you guys have, throw it into the comments as we go. All right. So quarterly fund ownership. So one of the reasons why I like MarketSmith and like to use MarketSmith is because it shows the quarterly fund ownership right over here. And so you could look at the, the fund ownership right over here, quickly see, is it going up quarter over quarter over quarter over quarter? Uh, so in AMD, it's up from last year, right? You can see how um, this quarter it was at uh, 2,770. Last quarter or uh, last year, a year ago, it was at uh, 2,637. A uh, little bit of an increase. Got a little choppy midweek, but uh, mid uh, mid year. But now more funds are uh, have gone into it. Ideally, too, uh, what you like to see is an, an increase, a consistent increase quarter over quarter over quarter. You click this tab over here, right, and it's giving me even more historical data. So from 2019, right, so from 2019, December 2019 to now, that's uh, about a 50% increase. That, that's uh, still quite a bit up in a relatively short period of time. So it, it's 
showing where the institutions are moving and the reason why uh, you want to see the number of funds going up quarter over quarter is because now like we said earlier it takes a long time for these big funds to get uh, to start a position so or to accumulate the number of shares that they want so if uh, you see the number of funds going up quarter over quarter over quarter, then there's new funds that are getting in. Not only are there new funds getting in, but it's going to take those newer funds time to get the shares, the number of shares that they want. So there's going to be increased demand for this idea over time. It doesn't mean that it's going to go straight up, but it does mean that over time, you there's a greater likelihood of seeing increased demand, uh, increased buying, and uh, an increased likelihood that uh, there'll be more of these uh, so-called buy-the-dip uh, opportunities. Uh, come tomorrow for the conversation with, with Larry Tenterelli. That that'll be really interesting uh, when we he and I discuss. Uh, well, what's a, a dip that you should buy versus a dip that is more likely to keep on dipping. So um, looking at fund ownership quarter over quarter, uh, great way to see where the, the money is going. Next, talk about sector and group rotation now. Now, this is one where I... Uh, I do it uh, maybe a little bit differently than than some people. There's one way to do it where let's say you've cultivated a universe list of stocks, right? Uh, this is my universe list uh, right here. Uh, I'll make it nice and big for, for everybody to see. Right? There, there's a lot of names on this list. There's 394 names on this list. And one of the ways that you might see you know which way the industries and the groups are, are are moving is to just look at this column here right so you could see what group rank is where um and then you could compare that to where it was last week uh three months ago six months ago and start to see like oh well this group there this uh particular energy uh, group. Uh, what group is, is that? that? So there, there's sectors and then there's groups. And so each group, uh, each sector has several groups within it. This happens to be energy and coal. So um, that's the group itself has improved uh, over the past several weeks, uh, past couple of months here, uh, and has been number one. Then you look at chips. Chips uh, really taken off, right? And so that this is one of the reasons too. When we're talking about AMD, uh, so yeah, I think AMD is working out to be a, a a really great example here. So institutional money, and the, this is also going to lead into themes as well. When you see a major jump like this, where uh, you have a group rank of 66, right, uh, for AMD. Uh, and then uh, in only three months, you go from 66 to two. 
right? Like that show, like that, that's like one major sign of institutional money flow coming into a sector, coming into a group. It's one of the things that got me really interested in AMD. Now, it uh, it happens to be, uh, the group is ranked number two right now, but it didn't just get there, right? Like it, it climbed up steadily, right? Like from 66, maybe you see it jump to 50, maybe you see it jump to 40 to 30 uh, into the 20s. But paying attention to where the groups are moving uh, that starts to show you hmm, that maybe there's more interest in this group. And you don't just look at it there. What you're also doing is you are coupling this. Oh, let me get AMD back up. You're coupling it with the price action. Right, so three months ago, three months ago is what we're in November now. So October, September. So right around here, right around August, right? Like, so it's right in here where it's around uh, the group rank is 66. And then it, the group rank starts to improve even more. And you start to see this dry up in volume two, right? Remember when we spoke about the dry up in volume being uh, a sign that um, sellers are not coming to market? Uh, and you see that right after uh, this big volume surge. So price finally breaks out of this jumbo range and it does that on heavy duty volume, right? does that on heavy duty volume and then it moves sideways again and volume dries up in a big major way. So that's telling you that those big whales, those major institutions, they're not in there. They're not the ones that are dumping shares. They're holding their shares. They're allowing price to come back down. They, they want price to come down, right? Because remember, they can't buy everything all at once. They need to do their buying over a period of several weeks, several months. So if they keep on buying, that's just going to keep on driving price up. If they wait and are patient, then they could do some buying here, wait for price to come in 15, 20%, and then buy some more down in here and let price run back up. So that that's... It's a great way to start to track, well, what are the whales doing? Um, yeah, that, so sector and group rotation, uh, very important. That's one of the ways uh, that I like to do it. Finally, let's talk a little bit about the cousin stock theory now the, the this is this is a, a little interesting that or there this is uh one of the more interesting things that that I like to to start to think about um and part of it has to do with related industries related groups like what's happening and how right so one of the the uh, the major themes right now has to do with nfts uh and has to do around crypto and we started to see uh, a lot of crypto stocks right and i would even go so far as to say that amd and nvidia are part of that 
right? Like you, you might be sitting there thinking like, oh, that sounds freaking ridiculous. Well, well, what's wrong with you? Uh, but uh, like, hear, hear me out. So the all those mining rigs, right? Like for people that are mining crypto, well, who's supplying the, the chips for those, right? Your AMDs, your MIDIAs, uh, so that the chips are part of that. So that that's uh, that's where I'm seeing this larger move into NFTs, into crypto. When you could see some of that, uh, not not just the, in the price of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, you know, let me uh, pull up a chart here of a uh, bit of the cryptos. Uh, all right, move this over here. Now we're looking at uh, a monthly chart of Ethereum. Uh, this is TradingView, by the way. Yeah, so you, you could see that fresh all-time highs. Uh, same deal with Bitcoin. Uh, Litecoin finally broke out. Um, even uh, even some of the these other ones, uh, like Doge, right? <laughs> like Doge flattening out. Um, Ethereum Classic flattening out. Uh, uh, we could go through crypto as well, but the theme of that is related uh, to, of course, Coinbase. Right? Well, I'm sure many of you are familiar with, with Coinbase. If not, uh, you probably might should get to know it. Um, so that idea that theme of crypto and NFTs and being able to trade NFTs, that, that's related to Coinbase. So when I saw Coinbase setting up back here in this double bottom, that's what prompted me to get in down here in understanding that, in understanding too the price and volume and how these major institutions work and seeing the crazy dry up in volume down here in that base and then finally seeing volume starting to surge when it's coming out over here and some more volume picking up around this area and then finally breaks out and runs so that in a nutshell is a cousin stock theory not well when you're seeing uh certain certain groups move and you're starting to think well why or or, or you could start to see like the different setups that are evolving. Uh, also consider like what's related to it, right? So for NFTs, for crypto, uh, I'd go so far as to say that the chips are related to it. Uh, in uh, yeah, like it's a it's a cousin. Maybe it's a distant cousin, but it it's related. So let's see. Well, what uh, let's uh. We went through a lot here today, and I appreciate you guys being here. Let's go through some questions. Got a nice comment from BTO. BTO, well, welcome back, BTO. You had a lot of great questions yesterday. Uh, appreciate you uh, saying that this is good information. It's uh, what I aim for. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, let me switch over to the open Q&A button here. Yeah, uh, do some open Q and A. Uh, so, any questions that you guys have, go ahead, type them into the chat. Uh, for anybody that's new that that's here, make sure that you hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, it's going to continue to bless this out to more people. So, if you do find this information valuable, uh, yeah, 
dropping comments and hitting like helps spread the message. So that helps a lot, and I appreciate it. But uh, let's see. Uh, while we're waiting for some questions to come in, too, uh, let's talk about a few other uh, trades that are moving and start to see, well, where is the, the funds flowing? Right, like here, here's one, Upstart. I think this is a good trade to talk about. Uh, one of the reasons why is because uh, this is one that I was in uh, that I decided to hold through earnings and I got caught in this uh, down, well, what is that, 20% uh, on the day? Yeah, that, that doesn't sound fun to get caught in. And well, I went back and I did the math on it. Let, let me see. Do I have the spreadsheet up? No, but anyhow, I went back and I did the math uh, on this thing. And I started a position in this uh, back here right? when, when it broke out of this. And I got in right around here, right around uh, like uh, 310 uh, I think I think actually 313 might have been the exact price that I got in just clicking the button in the right spot. <laughs> anyway, so so I get in there and I add to that position the following day as it's following through, and I start to sell some into strength, sell some more into strength. Probably should have taken off some up here um, when it hit 400. Now, part of the reason why I say that is because when price hits a major psychological round number, it tends to act as resistance. Price at that point was extended. Probably, in hindsight, probably should have taken a little bit off there, but I didn't. Okay, fine. But I already have two scale outs. Then price pulls back and I'm like, you know what? This is one of the true market leaders. Uh, I'm going to, to hold this, right? So I sit through all this, right? And I'm okay sitting through that because I have two scale outs already, right? So that's uh, important to remember. Selling into strength can really help you hold for a bigger move or in this case, mitigate a loss. So this comes uh, in like this. And, and you know what, what else I do? I actually add, actually add, I added a bit more right on that day, right? Where popped up a little bit, of, got a little bit ahead of myself right there. I added just a smidge, right? Like nothing crazy, maybe maybe about a quarter of a position. And I decide to, to sit through and I'm having a, a the past uh, month, month and a half have been absolutely phenomenal uh, for me and my account. Like, uh, uh, like maybe like I'd say 10 or 11 of the past uh, 15 trades uh, have all been winners. So that, that uh, and have been major winners too, uh, like making uh, 4R, 5R. Uh, I think uh, Donnelly uh, Financial, DFIN is up about uh, 7 or 8R. So I was comfortable taking a little bit more uh, risk to hold through earnings, got clipped, but in selling this original position and the add-on into strength, I looked at my account and my account that like on this trade, uh, I only lost about 1% of capital, right? On a gap down of 
20% uh, holding through earnings only lost 1% of capital. So that goes to show too, right? And there, there's going to be, and I was telling our members too, there's going to be a lot of really good learnings from this uh, that, that I take away. And if you guys are in it, well, I would, uh, of course, recommend that you guys too do a post analysis of uh, your trades. Uh, you're going to learn so much by doing that. But uh, from this, uh, part of what what I learned is the or actually remembered the huge power in selling into strength. Uh, not only does selling to strength allow you to sit and hold through uh, a move uh, potentially for for a bigger move. It also allows you to, like, if you do get a hit like this, where you're not going to get shellacked, right? Like, hey, that, I'm still in the game, sold that position off this morning, and yeah, had a great day. So anyhow, a uh, little bit of a extra lesson there. Uh, let's see. Got a question here. Question from BTO. All right, BTO breaking the ice here. Let's see. I've heard about two different uh, philosophies, which are selling to strength uh, on the other end, buying strength instead of selling off. Uh, can you discuss that a bit? Thank you. Yeah. So um, uh, I do both, right? So uh, in this, right, let me uh, refresh the screen here. So right here on this day, Right, so I'm buying this, right? So I'm buying strength, and then I'm selling into strength as we climb higher, right? So it's buying on the way up and then selling uh, and scaling out on the way up too. Now, uh, some people like to buy the dip, right? And that that's something that we're going to be talking about quite a bit tomorrow with uh, my friend Larry Tentarelli. Um, that that'll be same time two o'clock tomorrow two p.m. Eastern time, but some people like to buy the dip, right? So let's say uh, let's say you're looking at this uh, and it's uh, November 9th, it's Tuesday, and you see upstart or sitting right on the fifty-day moving average. There's some people that would go in and buy that, right? They're buying the dip now. It's a strategy that can work, right? In this case, it clearly didn't work out, but it is a strategy that can work. And part of it is knowing when to buy the dip or when to buy on weakness. Uh, this might be a better example of when uh, buying weakness could have worked. Um, coin earlier this morning. Right, so coin uh, fell hard this morning. Right, it gapped down to uh, what it did though was it was right by that thin pink line. I'm not sure if you could see it, but that thin pink line is the 21 day exponential moving average. So if you're somebody that let's say you're, you're interested in Coinbase, you like the theme, uh, you saw the big institutions getting into it, you might see a gap down like that going to a potential area of support and say, you know what? 
I think I'll buy that weakness and then still sell it if it starts to dip even more. Maybe sell it if it comes down here, right? Like maybe to a couple of percentage points uh, against you. But that's one way to buy the dip. It's not for everybody. Uh, There's a variety of this. Uh, strategies and tactics that we that we can use. The way to really get good at, at any of them is to just by practice, just by repetition, by doing the same uh, or similar tactics over and over and over again, drilling them. Uh, so that way you're, you're starting to master uh, one. And then once you've mastered one, then move on to another, then you could move on to another and then another after that. Yeah, you know, like picture picture a, a UFC fighter, right? Like so, it, a young aspiring UFC fighter, never fought a day in his life, uh, goes to the gym on day one, and it's like, all right, today I'm going to do boxing. Tomorrow I'm going to do wrestling. The day after that, I'm gonna uh, do Muay Thai, uh, and uh, the day after that, maybe uh, I'll do uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? Like that. If you're taking on too much. In the beginning, you're never going to get good at any one thing. It's best to master one thing first and then layer on as you go. I've been trading now for over 20 years. I don't have everything mastered. I have a few things uh, that that I think are mastered, but not everything. And even, even when you feel that you've mastered something, there's always higher levels of mastery that you can achieve. So best way that, that I've learned, go deep into to one thing and then layer on. So if you like the style that, that I'm doing here, that, then great. Like learn more about that. See what, what other traders there are there that do things that, that are similar. Pick up some books. Uh, William O'Neill's great. Uh, Mark Minervini's great. Um, some of the, the other people that uh, I follow on on Twitter, right? Now. Like uh, Richard Moglin has a, a great channel. Uh, interviewed a lot of great traders. Um, Larry Tintorelli's coming back on my show. Jim Ropel, uh, I interviewed him a bunch of times. Go check that out. Uh, Chris Peruna, I did an interview with him. Check that one out. Yeah, and you can start to see that, yeah, like we're all trading in a somewhat similar way, but we all have our own styles. So you start to learn a little bit from me, let's say. You're learning a little bit from Chris. You're learning a little bit from Jim. You're learning a little bit from Mark. And you're taking it all in, and then eventually it becomes your own thing. But that's really uh, the way to to go about doing it. Um, Let me know if you guys have any other questions where kind of come in towards the the end. If you have uh, any other questions, go ahead, get them into the chat now but um let me see let me just let me just take a quick sip of water while i'm waiting for the next question to show up bto how would i be able to join those shows and interviews that you've done and we'll be doing in the future to learn more about those yet yeah, the so a uh, couple of ways to do it one way is to uh, subscribe to the channel, right? So uh, if you subscribe to the channel, you should see an alert in YouTube or uh, wherever you're watching it. Uh, you should be able to get notifications or alerts. That's one way. Uh, another way is to hop on to our newsletter. Um, 
in the description of the, the video, uh, I post a, a link to get onto the newsletter where I send out an email alert uh, the morning of each live stream. And uh, that's a great way to, to know what's coming up. And if you happen to miss the live stream, then you can still click the link and watch the recording. Now, that's a, a part of the beauty of it. Um, other ways to, uh, to do it? Um, yeah, I think those are, are the main two. <laughs> Subscribing to the channel and uh, hopping on the newsletter. So that way you, you could get those email alerts. But um, anyway, uh, I think we're out of time now. So I'd like to say thank you all so much for joining me today. I appreciate you guys being here. And join us tomorrow when we talk to Larry Tentarelli about which dips are the ones to buy, which dips are the ones to avoid. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you then.